Welcome to the fourth episode of Conversation and Conflict on Social Media. Today we will be speaking with Professor Farid Senzai. Professor Senzai is an Associate Professor of Political Science at Santa Clara University, where he teaches courses on U.S. foreign policy and Middle East politics. He has written two books, Educating the Muslims of America and Political Islam in the Age of Democratization. Thanks for joining, Professor Senzai. Let's get right to it. Why did you decide to teach a course about the Israeli-Palestinian conflict? Well, you know, I'm a professor of political science um, and I specialize in Middle East politics. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I cover the broad Middle East and the key thematic issues that are relevant to the Middle East. And so the Arab-Israeli conflict, of course, is so central to not only understanding the Middle East, but the political dynamic in the region. And um, so much of Uh, the dynamics and the issues that take place across the Middle East often are connected to this particular conflict, both historically and um, currently. And so I always felt that it was a a topic that uh, should be be discussed. And do the students' attitude and and engagement toward the conflict change throughout the course? Um, It's it's hard to say where students were. I mean, I don't do... a formal pre, pre-evaluation, pre-assessment, and then a post-assessment. My general sense is that students come into the class generally knowing very little to nothing about the Middle East. Mm-hmm. You know, I pass out a, a map quiz in the first week in which students try to identify countries so they don't even know where the countries are, let alone the internal politics within these countries and then um, how they, the intra and inter politics between these countries. So, so all of this becomes new to them. And the Arab-Israeli conflict is no different that many of them have heard about it. They have some thoughts about it. They see it in the news occasionally if, if they're interested, but they don't know much about the details. I mean, I've had I've asked students in the beginning sometimes, and some don't even know who's who the two sides are, or who the different sides are, mm-hmm. and so it's sometimes so basic. Um, so clearly, I think by the end, they have a fairly good grasp of the key issues within the conflict. So, with that fairly good grasp, what do you think about students that post online about the conflict, specifically now non-Israeli and Palestinian? I mean, I always think it's good that students express their thoughts online. I think it's a sign that they are interested in these topics. I mean, they wouldn't post if there wasn't some level of interest in the topic. So I think it's it's a good thing. Uh, but hopefully they are posting things that are informed mm-hmm. and that they are based on fact and reality and not just reposting uh, things that are um, not accurate or sometimes really problematic, derogatory or, or um, racist or bigoted, you know. There's all kinds of bad posts that one could, could, could include and one would hope that those are avoided. And if students are conscious of good posts versus bad posts. Yeah, but do you think 
going back to you saying that like most of the students have a very limited amount of uh, knowledge about the conflict and at the end they have more of a sense but still like they don't have um, a very good grasp about what's going on do you think they can actually identify which post is accurate and and will be more like helpful for the conflict yeah I mean I think that that clearly can happen and it does happen I've seen it you know um, I've seen students do that and um, sometimes you know I've even commented um, that you know a post like that requires some more context mm -hmm. and one has to provide more context in order to to post something like that um, but then I've also seen students post uh, really insightful things that's particularly rewarding to say that you know what these are students that knew little or nothing about this conflict or very little about the region more broadly and now they really have a good grasp on it i've had students for instance uh been so interested from this class that they end up going to the region mm -hmm. and sometimes even traveling uh not only in israel but um throughout you see students interested in these topics um, to the point where students have got internships and and use that in those internships as opportunities to get a better grasp uh and insight into what's happening so i think piquing their interest is one of the the main goals in a class like this to say look part of uh, this class is to introduce you to these topics, but you really have to go and experience it, mm -hmm. and maybe travel there and and uh, and live there and do internships there. And I've had many students that have done that. The the insightful post that you said that your some of your students were posting is that more them reposting something that they saw, or were they actually contributing their own content um, along with something that they posted? Oh, it's it could be a combination of the two. So sometimes they are reposting something, but they're more aware of good posts versus bad posts. And then I do have students that are just really insightful. I mean, they really have gotten a good grasp of, of the key core issues in the conflict. And um, I feel they, they speak intelligently about it. And that's, that's rewarding. That's nice to see that, you know, these students uh, really do look at the conflict with the level of nuance that it requires in order to understand um, the tensions that are there and understand the, the, the narratives that are there. There's so many different narratives and understanding that there isn't just one, one perspective or one narrative to, to what's happening. And do you think it's necessary that in order to really have a good grasp about the conflict, you need to visit the place? Well, I think that that helps, mm -hmm. you know, it helps to, to travel in the region. And I say this broadly across the region. I mean, to really see what life is like, to see what life is like for, you know, everyday Israelis and everyday Palestinians and what's, what's life like for others in the region um, to, to sit and, um, and speak to people both in big cities and, in, and in, in rural areas and talk to people from all walks of life. I mean, these are stories that really add a richness to understanding the full extent of what is happening that no matter how much I try in a class to, to bring this richness in, it's difficult 
Yeah. And I think that people that can't travel there, I think it's social media actually enables them to maybe, maybe not have conversations, but at least listen and be aware of all those little narratives that are maybe not as heard. Exactly. Um, and, and that's the thing. I mean, the thing about social media, which has been positive, I mean, even though there's so many negative aspects of social media, uh, including those that impact this conflict, but the positive aspects are that it's democratized the way information is disseminated. And, you know, when I was growing up, you had two, three or four sources uh, that you got your information about the conflict on a daily basis when it came to news outlets. Uh, but now the fact that you can read newspapers from all over the world so they can get um, Israeli perspective, they can get Palestinian perspective, they can get people on the ground, they can get like people who, who are actually living there to give their own thoughts and sometimes very insightful analysts and commentators uh, that they can follow online. Um, and so as long as they can distinguish between sort of the polemicists and the one that are trying to divide and those that are really trying to bring true insight into what's happening, uh, I think all of that becomes available to students, which is, which is really a positive thing. And do you think that students that have taken your course are less likely to post misinformation? You know, I would like to say that, yes, all my students, you know, get uh, a much better grasp and therefore they only post insightful things. But, you know, that's not the case clearly. Um, but generally I would say students that have taken the course walk away with um, appreciation uh, for the complexity of what's, what's happening. And hopefully that then translates in to them continuing to want to read about it. And then uh, hopefully they bring that into what they express outwardly. So do you think that during a time of escalation, um, do you see that what's going on as online as more of an image warfare or like a competition or more of a conversation? Yeah, you know, sometimes it's unfortunate, but it ends up being a competition about what narrative dominates and what narrative can get out there. And so, so it's, it's at times difficult to really have a conversation because sometimes it's about, you know, winning the, the debate. And when, when, you, when you end up in that situation, it, it stifles conversation, it stifles opportunity for learning. It stifles opportunity for listening. That's unfortunate. And sometimes during the most intense periods that happens. Yeah. And I mean, for me, at least it makes sense because the broader world is watching during escalations. Yeah. And so you kind of want to get as many people on your side as you can. So it, it makes sense to me that it's going to be more of like a competition at that point. Yeah. And in times when it's a little bit more calm, maybe those conversations can happen maybe because the tensions are not as high or the broader world isn't, isn't really watching. So you can like Israelis and Palestinians actually have an opportunity to speak more. Exactly. Um, but I think people would like to take advantage of the fact that the broader world is watching to kind of get people more on their side. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that, that that's exactly what happens is that everything is heightened during those periods. And, and so tensions are high people are speaking much more assertively and loudly and trying to make their points and nobody's really listening. 
uh, it's during quiet times, if one can call it quiet times, there were during more, um, more, more quiet times that people actually sit down, they begin to have conversations, they listen to the other side. Um, speaking about the conversations and listening, do you think that social media can actually bridge differences as opposed to increase them? Um, you know, that's always the hope. The hope is that that more positive is coming out of social media than negative. I think there was a naive sense of social media when we were initially introduced to it years ago that, wow, now this is an opportunity for people to hear all these different perspectives and therefore be able to really see things from different sides. But yet what the negative side has done is that it's um, created these silos and these, these cocoons in which people then go into and they, they join together with people, like-minded people that have only their perspective. And pretty soon, you know, then the way the feed works is that you end up only hearing and reading people that agree with you. And that consequently creates more divisions and, and the silos get more entrenched and intensified. And people then aren't in fact talking across the aisle. They're in fact just speaking to people that are on the same side. It doesn't give people the opportunity to continue to, to read from a broad spectrum. Uh, and sometimes that's absolutely what's necessary. What's, what I often tell my students is, is read from as many sources as possible, including sources that you adamantly disagree with mm -hmm. and, and see why, why is it that those perspectives are being conveyed? What can you learn from them? How can that perspective help you be more informed about your own thoughts? Um, not to mention, you know, the, the level of hatred that's out there also on social media. I mean, it's really vicious and visceral for a lot of people that they bring in these feelings that are so, so, so deep-rooted hatred and anger and bigoted comments, anti-Semitic comments. You see, like, all of this taking place. Yeah, I mean, I think, like you said before, it's, it's kind of na naive to think that social media is a place for conversation when in reality there are these echo chambers that people just are reinforced time and time again with their own idea yes. and if they encounter something that's different besides the fact that social media is a very emotional platform yeah um they express their opinions in a very emotional way and then a lot of times not in a very productive way exactly um exactly and so i think that's a reality we're all coming to realize and many of us that were naive in the beginning when it came to social media, just thinking it was going to like be like this positive force that's going to allow for all perspectives to come out and let everyone learn from it and, and bridge differences and all of these positive aspects uh, were naive to think that way, that, that we didn't think about the negative aspects of it. And increasingly, I think not only people who built these platforms, but professors and others and, and analysts that talk about these topics are realizing 
the real harm that is taking place in social media outlets. And, um, and you know, then the real question is, is do the positive, the pros outweigh the cons? Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's up for debate. I mean, there, it's really difficult to say. So do you think that Israeli and Palestinian students have a duty to post information, especially during times of escalation when the broader world is watching? Yeah, you know, I think they, in some ways, one shouldn't put just the burden on them, but I think there's a certain level of responsibility that people who have a keen insight into a topic have lived it, they've, these are lived experiences. And so both for Israelis and Palestinians, it is a lived experience. And so for them, it's, it's nice if they're able to share their perspectives. Um, I always tell my students, you know, especially students that come from the region, and if they're, if they're Palestinians, and I've had many Palestinian students and many Israeli students, and, and you see um, students with these different perspectives, I always encourage them to, to share their thoughts because it then gives their classmates an opportunity to hear directly from them to say, look, this is my experience. You know, this is what my family has gone through, or this is what my family is currently going through. This is what we deal with on a daily basis. I think hearing that from a classmate is tremendously powerful. Mm -hmm. It's really important because it allows students to say, wow, this is one of my class classmates here at Santa Clara University, and they're sharing this insight uh, in a way that I would never have gotten before. So do you think that Israeli and Palestinian students have more responsibility to post their own personal experience or actually post um, updates about what's going on in the region? I, th I think it can be both. I mean, on the one hand, if they truly understand the conflict and are bridge builders and people who really are trying to um, bridge this gap and trying to bring these different perspectives in and are not polemic. I mean, clearly you have people who uh, have their positions are very polemic and that just only makes things far more difficult and they're just creating divisions. But people who are bridge builders should uh, express their thoughts uh, in, in public. As long as they're done responsibly and it's done productively and it's done with the intention to inform and the intention to bridge differences, I think that's all a very positive thing. So in your opinion, what is the best thing that students who are neither Israeli nor Palestinian, what can they do in order to learn more and be involved with the conflict? Well, I would hope that students would um, appreciate, first of all, the complexity, the, the difficulty, uh, sometimes students can't understand why this conflict is going on for so long. They just can't understand, like, why can't they just solve it and address it? Um, and, and students hopefully understand why it's so difficult, why it's so complex, why these two narratives are having difficulty um, addressing the core issues that are at stake there. Also, hopefully, they continue to read about it and they continue to find different sources um, to uh, learning about the conflict. Um, and the other thing is, is I hope that students understand the real life impact on real 
people's lives that this conflict um, has instilled. That that this is you know these aren't just statistics and numbers. These are real people with real lives. To see it in that way and begin to relate in that way, then it's you know then it's a it becomes more personal and it becomes a much more intimate um, insight into, you know, our humanity. Can we learn from each other? And can we, can we do our part to, to try to make a difference? I mean, it's something I always try to instill in my students that each of us has a role. Each of us has a role to understanding, uh, empathizing, listening, and then trying to um, uh, to share what we've learned and to understand the experiences of others. That's it for us today. In the next episode, we will be exploring some of the ethical implications discussed for Israelis and Palestinians. Stay tuned.